You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, welcome back to Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. I also forgot on Friday, Double Food Friday in a way, I got Ben from Divine Bovine and then, of course, Dan Spencer, the Filthy Pirate, uh, Filthy Pirate Coffee, former TPD officer, will be here also on Friday. So coffee and burgers, Matt. Be ready to cornholio out of here before it's all over. So uh, good morning and welcome back to uh, Nate Foster uh, from AZCOPS, Arizona Cops uh, Union, and he's an 18-year TPD officer. Did I get that right? Uh, just over 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. I apologize. That's okay. You look very young. I shouldn't even... I shouldn't even done that to you well, thank you so in this job you look younger than you should be i'm just telling you last yes. last time you were on and we've gotten uh that video we i put it on youtube that video's gotten easy over a thousand views since the last time you've been on great of yeah. you're explaining you explaining the reality of tpd yes we talked about staffing yes um i think that one of the big numbers that came out of our previous discussion that remind folks is when we talk about officers that can actually be on the streets that what's like it's the new stat what's the real deployable right yes 250 does that sound rough roughly uh, correct yeah commissioned so yep. then uh you got the city now creating a bunch of cso positions those are those are non-commissioned right civilians so we got a lot of those now which is uh, a big change do you like the cso's uh they're they're great i just we need to come up with... Uh, it's, not a, it's not a replacement. It's not a replacement because they can't go to a lot of calls for service. They're not They're not armed. They're not trained. They're not certified to be police officers. Sure. So the city's using them as kind of like a, I don't know, a Band-Aid, I would say at this point. Sure. To uh, address like non-priority calls. They help out with uh, collision scenes, stuff like that. Which is important work. But you're right. At this point in time, of what's going on with the overriding crime and murder in this town? Yes. Right? The need for commissioned post-certified officers is at a super premium. Correct. Uh, Chief Kazmar put out some numbers basically saying our, our total staffing is up uh, when you factor in all those created extra CSO positions. Sure. But in reality, our commission numbers aren't really improving. They're still They're still dropping, not to the extent they were previously so he is turning it around in that aspect we're not seeing the attrition that we once were which is great um and he's changing the culture within the agency which was much needed but at the end of the day like when you call 911 and you expect someone at your doorstep with a badge and a gun you know we're still uh you know losing people and not maintaining the numbers we need so there's still again there's still enough of attrition that we're still losing commission officers as we move through a year Yes. Um, so when you're when you're so low on commission officers, there's this need to be very efficient in your jobs. Yes. Would you say that right now? Well, let's say a hundred percent is amazingly efficient, and zero is, of course, non-efficient. Where where would you rank the efficiency of TPD operations right now, roughly? It's, so I talk to the patrol officers all the time, and I'm hearing constant horror stories about our com our computer system, our dispatch com computer system that they rely on every day to do our job, their job. Sure. Um, imagine having a job 
and you have a specific tool you use to, com to complete your task for your job, and it's the key item you use, and not having that every day, it would be almost so. When you say not having that, because so this is what you're being informed about when there's something going on yes. that you need to go. There's a murder going on. There's shots. There's a robbery. These so, kind of things. So they use it for everything. They use it to uh, see what kind of calls are holding or needing to be dispatched. They use it to see where other officers are at. Sure. Uh, which is a very key component to safety. <laughs> um, we also use it to run people to see, you know, if your car's stolen, the person that they're having contact with has warrants, if they are who they say they are. So these are constant issues that officers deal with day to day when they're out there on the streets having contacts with people. And the computer system they rely on is go, it goes down constantly. The network doesn't support the users that are uh, on it. All right. So with all this, we know that Tucson is a busy place with all variety of maladies and crimes on any one day. So there's a limit to the the amount of users that can be on the system at the same time. That is being debated internally, but I have seen uh, from internal IT sources the number is at 150, but then I've heard from other people that that's not true, but it doesn't, the system doesn't work. It's not uh, sufficient. So the system is going through, uh, an officer can uh, experience repeated crashes of the system during their shift. Correct. Now, when a system crashes, how long does it take to possibly... What's the, what, what's the, I guess my thing is, what's the uh, length of an outage typically or could be? It can be hours. God dang. So <laughs> you got the, all the patrol guys pretty much handcuffed to being able to do their jobs. And then it gets even worse than that. So let's say um, I had a contact with you in the field and I decided to make an arrest. Uh, the, com the computers won't print the citations. Um, I'm hearing routinely it takes over 30 minutes for an officer to print a citation and they're fighting with the computer trying to print the ticket. Meanwhile, they got the world going on around them. They're dealing with a potential criminal. So, and they're completely distracted trying to print this ticket. But at the same time, there's 34 other things hitting the screen that they got to go do. Yes. So other agencies don't use the same system we're on. They're on uh, Spillman or on Inograph, and I do not hear anything, uh, I don't hear anything about uh, system problems from the other agencies. There's so we're the fine. only agency really out there, so Pima County Sheriff's, Pinal County Sheriff's, OV, Marana are using this other one. Correct. And we're on, we decided to go with Intergraph for whatever reason, I don't know uh, why we chose that system. There's been lawsuits brought up against them from other agencies across the country. Um, so we're on this system, uh, I think U of APD is also on it, and South Tucson. But that's it. So just before we go to break, I just want to make sure, I want to reiterate for everyone, we're talking with Detective Nate Foster from TPD. So what you're saying is this system that is so crucial to do your job and at the same time is vital to the safety of officers and the citizens of Tucson can literally crash out on an officer for hours during their shift. Yes, and it's happening multiple times a week right now. That is unacceptable crap. Yes. Let's go to break. When we come back, I want to talk about the other not-so-efficient things going on 
in TPD that is literally a bane to our officers and our citizens. So if you have a question or comment, 790-2040. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice. All right. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. We're talking with Officer Nate Foster, Tucson Police Department, uh, detective, 15-year veteran of the force, part of the AZ Cops uh, Police uh, Union. And uh, we were just talking about the horrible situation with the uh, their computer system that they use for everything, that it can literally go out, down for hours. And basically, yeah, in 30 minutes to print a ticket or a citation while there's the world is falling apart around you and then you were just telling me off air of another amazing situation and by amazing i mean not amazing and this is what's going on at the county jail so we've been talking about on the show for months about chris nanos has a unbelievably understaffed jail right and he got rid of a bunch of people due to the covid vaccine and all i mean this is a lot of this is self-inflicted wounds but that is now affecting TPD officers, uh, as they're trying to book, uh, book people that they're arresting, what's going on there? Yeah, so the, the jail's critically staffed by the, the county, the sheriff's department, is responsible for that. Yep. So I was fielding complaints from uh, officers telling me that it's taking three hours to book people oh into gosh. the jail. So when you factor in three hours to book someone, the process of arresting someone, driving to and from the jail, that eats up. That one arrest could literally eat up an officer's like half of their day. And then how motivated do you think they're out to go arrest another criminal after that? Right. You know, like at that point, you're just like, you're do- your day's done. You don't, you're, it demoralizes you to to work. Same thing with the computer system. And there's a judge kicking the, ki- the, kicking the, the perp out literally... 23 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, especially if you take them down there and you know that they're just going to be out. Like, there's certain things they have to book for, like domestic violence. Um, But, yeah, it's just another inefficiency in a system. Like, I I think TPD takes a lot of heat for being, like, a a broken police agency or whatever, you know, how the public views us. But we're, we're just a small piece of, like, a systemic failure within the county at this point. Sure. You know, and if you look at Oro Valley, Marana, Sarita, they're all bolstering their own uh, court systems to really address crime and deter it. And they're they're not relying on the county anymore. No. Besides for the jail. So what's going on? You're telling me that we're starting to use community service officers at the jail to do the bookings? Yeah. So our agency, I actually think it's a good idea. Um, it's they're using our civilian uh, positions, the, the CSOs, okay. to be bookers. Okay. So they'll handle the booking process for TPD-only arrests. Okay. So the city pays the jail uh, every time someone gets arrested, you know, for booking costs. Where is the, what's the county doing now for that cost? Now that we're basically staffing them to do their job that we're paying them for. And then Nanos, his solution is the jail's broken. We need a new jail. You can build you know, the biggest jail on the planet, but you don't have any staff to put in there. So maybe staff your jail and run it properly before you start, you know, opening your, you know, asking people to fork over cash. Yeah, him going for a whole new jail is the mo- one of the most misguided things I've seen out of the county. And I've seen some misguided, but the place is so broken internally. He's leading the country in in-prison deaths right now. 
right? Yes, yeah. Matthew. Just going to add, we had a story the other day about TBD hiring community service officers. Right. Now, I understand what I'm about to say. There's a distinction, but the the pitch was you're going to crime scenes where there's not a where there's not a suspect present. So now, uh, and, and Officer uh, Detective Foster, maybe you can help kind of clarify this. Now the the suspect isn't in the CSO's presence. Now is the suspect in custody or somehow not a danger to the CSO at that point? So there's inherent risk with what they're doing. So like I said, they primarily go to traffic uh, collisions. Right. How many of those collisions involve a DUI driver? I see it lots regularly in my caseload. Um, that And when there's a collision with a DUI driver, they're not investigating a misdemeanor at that point. It's it's a felony offense. So we're sending CSOs first on scene to felony crimes, and then they have to request an officer to uh, deal with the DUI portion of the investigation. So um, there is inherent risk. You know, you know, when they go to these scenes where the suspect's gone, it doesn't you know stop them from showing back up. You know, and the standard there's no. Arizona Post dictates the hiring standards for police officers. CSOs don't have that standard. So we're hiring people with minimum minimal qualifications. You know, obviously they're not they're not felons. They have a driver's license, but the the standards are low. There's no no real regulation to hiring them, and that's why we're able to hire so many of them. Whereas to hire an officer it's, it's incredibly challenging. I almost, I almost did the very silly thing of when you were talking about DUI. I was going to say it. I said this last time, and I, I almost did it again. Oh, what percentage of those are alcohol, and what percentage of those are, quote, some other drug? And I forgot your machine's broken. Oh, yeah. That, that's <laughs> I been forgot. A, that's my own personal plight, and then my unit's Because uh, you're problem. a traffic de- detective. Yeah, our, our blood machine that we use to test for alcohol has been broken for was broken for months and they finally got up and running and you think an agency our size maybe we'd have two machines in case one broke correct you know but we haven't and it's it's creating a backlog for us so the blood machine's fixed now finally but we got a huge backlog now so when the how long was the thing broken i want to say it was almost three months it, it felt like it was i don't know it time just changed at that point it was it was broken for a long time i'd say maybe two months all right so my thing is how long was it taking the how long right now will it take to get something back for a d like a an alcohol or a drug test or dui uh come back to you we could usually get the results uh prior to the machine going down before our issuing appointment which was great because we could get well that makes sense get the case prep it <laughs> issue it and then you know f- finalize the indictment Right. Well, now we have to dismiss and then schedule that later on for reissuing. You know, it's it's just a. So you're dismissing the charges. The, the county attorney dismisses county, it he, based you, on no evidence. <laughs> but then you could bring it back later. Yeah, we can refile it, and that's what we'll do. We'll refile all these. It's How many just, months later would that typically be? It'll it'll be a. It's going to take a few months. <laughs> you know, because they're not at that point. It's not a priority for the county attorney. Right. Um, they they want to deal with the things coming in um, before the their initial issue date. The people that get booked, so it's not a priority, but it it will be addressed. It's just it, it added time onto what we have to do. 
Um, my last question for you is, um, and one of the listeners wanted to know, uh, can you ask uh, Nate about the aging fleet of all, of vehicles at TPD? Uh, yeah, so like I said, you go out there, you, you'll still see the Crown Vic floating around. And I want to say the last year is either 07 or 09 that the Crown Vic was made. That's true. So um, we're, So let's say it was 2009. We're looking at a car that's 14 years old that's been in patrol in Tucson. Um, there's still quite a few of them. You know, we got the newer vehicles rolling out. Um, just in my personal experience, uh, we have 20-year-old vehicles in our unit, and they're all they all break down. I was I've I've drove four different cars in the last month <clears throat> with all the mechanical issues, and it's like, why can't we get new vehicles where I work? we and we respond to tons of callouts, and it's just I was driving an air support truck. At one point, that they used to go get water. Oh my uh, lord! It's, just, it's it's ridiculous. It's frustrating. Um, hopefully, I'm I'm assuming we'll probably get newer trucks here in the next year, which will be great. Um, but yeah, it's the cars are getting crashed. You know, think about that. That we lose a lot of cars to accidents. Just in the last month, we lost two vehicles to DUI collisions from uh, officers getting hit. Right, we had the officer lost his leg. Yeah, the, the officer lost his leg, you know, protecting a scene for a hit and run with, uh, you know, probably a fentanyl user in the middle of the road. So just, it's a it's a constant battle. It's really hard and inexpensive, I know, for the city to properly, you know, maintain our fleet. Uh, it's not a cheap expense. It's, it's, it's I, I know, and it's going to be a constant challenge. We got so far behind when the, we hit that was during the recession. They weren't buying new vehicles. So that kind of set us far far back. But then we got the, the prop passed with the half-cent sales tax. That helped kind of bring our numbers up with the vehicles. Well, Nate, keep doing what you're doing, man. And everyone keep Nate and all the officers in your prayers because it is ugly there. Fentanyl's really cheap. And we now have horse strength fentanyl coming our way. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. So, yes. Stay safe. Thanks for all that you do. Thank you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. All right. Detective Nate Foster, Tucson Police Department. It's a train wreck over there, man. And you have people at the city council who say, well, our numbers are up because we have CSOs, which is okay. We get it. But, uh, and at the same time, they have raised the pay. But it's not really, what's going on in the trenches is unacceptable. Wake up, Tucson. All right, little Steve Howe finger picking. Start off the last half hour of the show. Again, when I have officers on like Nate and we have that discussion, right, the place is a train wreck, right? Think about this. Their computers are breaking in the car that they do everything with, and they can't reboot it and get it back up for hours well how the hell are you going to do your job how many holes is that hole so even if a guy or gal did something really bad right and then they get themselves a lawyer and they talk about how messy they, they, they like, how do you know you did that well i didn't have my computer up at the time I mean, it's a train wreck. Then he says that they, when you go to the, they're now using community service officers as the booking agents at the Pima County Jail because Nanos is understaffed. 
So is the county giving the uh, the city a a, a discount on their on their jailing uh, processing cost? And I'm telling you, they're putting the pitch out to become a, apply now to become a community service officer. Community service officers. This is February fifteenth, and it says they help they the CSOs help police officers in investigating traffic collisions, nonviolent thefts, and other crimes where a suspect isn't present. Now you're putting them in the presence of suspects, not only at the county jail, but as off as Detective Foster said, at crime scenes. How do you know there's not a suspect present at a car, at a car collision? Right, it's true. You don't even know if there's the computer. The, the computer's not even working. They just fixed it. Think about it. They just fixed his blood computer, his blood machine. So I'm telling you, the the mayor and council, this is on them. They've had the they've had their focus on the wrong thing for the last several years. It's all been racism, racism, racism. That's it. Everything is the policy. Meanwhile, the equipment is broken. So when someone they got the they got the uh, airport shuttle van that that he talked about last time he was on. That he was using for his detective work. It's like um, the Jason Bateman character running around with the Bluth uh, stair truck in uh, Arrested Development. It was the truck that does the stairs for the plane. He was driving around in that because they lost all their. He lost all his money. That's what it felt like when Nate was driving around in his van. The um, someone have said to me like, "Why do they do this? What's their?" I've heard. The, the outlandish, oh, they're connected to the cartels and all that. The cartels aren't the answer for everything, okay? Um, they are ideologues. They are stubborn, stubborn, stubborn ideologues. Like, when you have a stubborn ideologue, you almost lean on being a cultist. But they're such stubborn... I- you They will sacrifice... The average man or woman or business owner or police officer on the altar altar of their stubborn ideology. That's the part that's really freaking scary. And I I just I couldn't imagine sacrificing the men, women, and children of Tucson, the working poor, the cops, on the altar of stubborn ideology. Now every city in America town is going to suffer from crime and all sorts of maladies out there. But you know something? We have more than our fair share. And at the same time, we seem to relish in it. I don't know why. It's really sick. You know, in the old days, we used to say they only take care of some of these politicians only want to take care of the ones who voted for them. Right, whatever the perceived voter block or blocks that voted for them. But they're they're taking those people and they're throwing them to the wolves. They're just throwing them to the wolves. I mean, Kevin Dahl's running around crying about water users in the county. The people of Ward 3 are getting picked apart. And in the but in the end with all of this, right? The people that should be crying out for the working poor is the local media, and they're nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be found. So when you have a media 
that whitewashes a stubborn ideology that throws its own citizens on the on the funeral pyre? That's a sick place. I mean, so go, let's go back to the Explain the Pain show. All these, um, these amazing small business owners came on the air and talked about how they're just getting pounded. Assaulted, right? Fecal matter, other things, bad sex acts, all of these things, right? And there's just, there's just a lack of response across the board, right? I got chambers of commerce who are helping you light your, your aisles better and keep retail theft down. A coalition against retail theft? This is not just a re- this is an assault. This is an assault. When so this is like the losers at the Tucson Chamber, right? If 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 you want to make yourself useful but you don't want to hurt Lorena's feelings because she gives you a state of the city luncheon that you make money on so you can pay Michael Guyman's salary. I got it. Okay? Why don't you do so you know how they do that survey of how many homeless people there are in town? So Guyman, get off your ass with Edmund Marquez, right? And useless Rob Elias at the Hispanic Chamber and little Zach and Winchester and all these people who are the self-proclaimed leaders of Tucson's business groups. I want you to do a add up the amount of retail theft in this community. I want you to take the retail theft. I'm sure Circle K will give it to you tomorrow. The small business owners are, are, are trying to do their best. They can give you a number. But if you took the retail theft in one year from Home Depot, Target, Walmart, Fry's, Safeway, uh, Dollar Tree stores, right? Go, go to all those corporate entities and go find out what that number is. It will blow your freaking mind. You won't believe what the number is. I'm going to tell you just on the just on the just on the on the corporate stores. It's got to be at least 10 mil. Easy 10 mil in retail theft. Easy. I bet it's 10 to 20 mil at be- at, at worst or at best. Best. How's that for How about that for Agvis? I know you guys don't have any guts. Right? And you like the little half, you get your little half hug from the mayor when you see her. The one where she just gives you one arm, but she's looking over your shoulder to see if there's someone more important than you. Okay. I know you guys love that. But if you really, and and after you guys had the gall to say, oh, now we're doing local advocacy. Now we're doing it. So here's your first project, self-proclaimed juggernauts of business. Go get the retail loss numbers from the corporate-owned stores in this town. I know you don't want to know what the number is. I know. The number will blow your mind. And then throw the pain of what the local restaurants and retailers put up with in this town. It is amazing. And this is where this... this, There's so many amazing things. Tucson, it's amazing. 
the amazing Pueblo. When you look at, it'll always be when you go back to the Tucson Crime Free Coalition and they are literally doing the Joe Friday of presenting the facts. So when we do a explain the pain, three hours of real human beings who have owned businesses in Tucson for years and they tell you a story of how their mechanic was jumped by a fentanyl freak at Edmonds Automotive and the fentanyl freak was trying to force fentanyl down his throat. Right? This is a real story from real humans. And his wife was here on the show and she basically talked about how they did an intervention with Edmund saying he should sell the restaurant, sell the business because his life's not important in the business. Right? That group of organized, non-political human beings who I've explained their pain, right, and are looking for some sort of sol- real solution to the pain are first of all ostracized by the other business groups. Right? So the Metro Chamber, Hispanic Chamber, Tucson Young Professionals, the Gay Chamber, the Black Chamber, the Chamber of People Who Are Left-Handed, anything with the word SALC, refuse to acknowledge that the uh, the crime-free coalition pretty much exists. Now, I think Ted is very, at, at SALC is supportive of what they're trying to do, but as a group, I don't think SALC even acknowledges that the crime-free coalition exists. Now, if, that, if Ted, if I'm wrong, let me know. So the advocacy groups ignore them, and that group that I just told you what they've done in a very pure way is hated by elected officials, right? Basically, Romero hates them. Conover hates them. And I think Adelita hates them pretty well, too. And Heinz. We know Heinz hates them. That's how crazy this town is. A group with as pure of intentions as that who's just sick of suffering is ostracized by business advocacy groups, and they're hated by elected officials, including the Pima County attorney, who's supposed to be one of the people that's helping them. Let's uh, let's sneak Al on the show before we go to break. Al, good morning, buddy. Okay, I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but I know that I was told of a national drug store that closed down in Pliskin Acres that they lost a million dollars in one year from thefts. And I have had, people have told me, they've seen people walk in there, grab armfuls of stuff, and just walk out. And now the place is closed. Was this my, Was this Liz's favorite Prince and Oracle one? Um, see, I don't want to, you know, be that kind of person, but yes, it could be. Yep. And no. it hurts people in our neighborhoods because, you know, all these little places are going away. And yeah, they're corporate, but still, you know, people have to go farther and farther and farther. Remember. CVS was supposed to take over the old Chicago store spot downtown and they didn't they in the end they backed out because they knew the retail theft at a CVS downtown right near the Ron Tat Center 
would be absolute bedlam. Just mayhem. So you're right. So you know something? If a, if a Walgreens is reporting a million dollars worth of loss in a year, then my $20 million num- uh, number, it's way too low. Right? Because think about all the beer at Circle K's, but then look at Home Depot, Walmart, Target. Right? Well, look what they had to do to the Target over here in Pliskin Acres. They had to put the cars out front, make it look like the SWAT team was there. Correct. So that Target has been hit by the Organelle's retail theft uh, druggies. So they're they're forming these cart these little gangs. Again, I've said it's like it's like a, a more sinister version of the organized pickpockets from Oliver. Okay. <laughs> and right, but that's what's happening, right? The stronger are preying on the weaker. But what they do is, this is what one of the TPD officers, that, that, that Target's a special store for this, right? Because it's in the acres, right? So 25 of them go in with a cart, and they have a shopping list they're supposed to fill the cart with, and then at a certain time, they all leave at the same time without paying. So how many, how many of those? Where's that now? Before they put the team in, I have seen people go in there and been casing the place to do, now we didn't see them do it, but doing what exactly what you could tell, and you could tell that they're casing the place. Correct. So, all right, my friend, have a good day. Stay out of trouble. You have a great day. Um, hey, it's too expensive nowadays. Not fun like when we were kids. That that is very true. So, all right, my friend, you have a good day. You have a great day, Chris, and keep up the good fight. You too, my friend. All right, one more segment to go on. Wake up Tucson, ten thirty. The Voice, local news and talk. When I was talking about SALC not caring about what's going on with Tucson Crime Free, McCluskey just said, remember, fat, cat, fat cats don't chase mice. <laughs> That's not bad. I like that. Um, <clears throat> Woody Harrelson, who's quite a nutball at times, but uh, he was on <clears throat> Saturday Night Live. It could be his last time ever on Saturday Night Live. And during his monologue, Woody... Went off. I don't know if this was on his script or not on his script. I can't believe Lauren would even, uh, Woody, I don't think you should do that. Um, quote, this is this is what Woody Carlson said in his, I got to see if his monologues even was put up on YouTube. Quote, the biggest, this is what Woody said, the biggest drug cartels in the world got together and buy up all the media and all the politicians Force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes. People can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over, Harrelson said. Uh, quote, I threw the script away. I mean, who's going to believe that crazy idea? Being forced to do drugs? Now, when it comes to the biggest drug cartels being Pfizer and these folks, right? Um, yeah. So then I looked at buying up all the media. Just I just want to give you a little feel of how much pharmaceuticals spent. The pharmaceutical companies, uh, you don't have to play it. We're good. Um, how much the pharmaceutical companies spend on ad buys. So when Woody says the, driggest, the biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media. So they spent in 2021 $6.68 in advertising 6.68 billion cash in advertising so then i said chris 
what's another prominent advertising industry? And let's do a compare. Maybe I'm just an old Pollyanna. So I went to the automobile manufacturers because they seem to buy a decent amount of advertising. And they're about $3 bill a year compared to the pharmaceutical companies at $6.7 wow. bill. Okay. Let's do beer. Right? Let's, let's do beer companies. What do they do? Let's see. I can't find the beer real quick. I don't want to do that right now. So anyway, 6.7 bill for pharmaceuticals, 3 mil, 3 bill for the uh, automo- automobile manufacturers. So, Woody, you're on to something, right? I mean, think about this, right? You got to force them to take you, – you, you came up with the problem, which thank Jesus the Department of Energy for some reasons doing a uh, – they're the ones saying that it was now a lab leak. Everyone else and their mother knew it was the lab leak, but thank God the Department of Energy is doing that. Of all, of all entities. You got me. I'll go back to John Stewart in uh, September of 2020 on Colbert's show, making Colbert very nervous, saying – uh, excuse me, don't bring me the wet, give, don't give me the wet market or the pangolin soup or whatever the hell else we're talking about. There, next to the wet market that they say it started, there was a laboratory, and on the sign it said, Wuhan Coronavirus Lab. But remember, they came from a monkey that kissed a bat that somehow got made into a soup and whatever the hell else happened. So anyway, Woody Harrelson, I don't know if what were you on, what you weren't on. You know, I'm sure he did some. He saved it to the very end of the monologue. He did. Now, another guy that could be doing some sort of drug could be AMLO, the president of Mexico. He shared a picture. Um, of... Um, where he said there was a fairy in, in in a tree. A mystical elf, excuse me, in a tree. And people are just saying it was a monkey at night in a tree. But he's going hard with the mystical fairy. So maybe Amlo's. I'm sure it's all medicinal. Not a, not a cookie manufacturing company. No, no, no. It was no. not the Keebler guys. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, like, where are we at on this drought thing? Even though we, you know, we keep getting more snow, sounds like we're getting more weather on Matt on Wednesday. It sounds like we're getting another. So uh, in the wee hours of Thursday, so after three a.m. Thursday morning, that's gotcha. when that's when the rain will turn to snow. Another snow chance for Tucson. That's right. That's right. Love it. So I decided to uh, look at the SWEs. After five days, I let the horse run free because <laughs> the Thank desert had turned to sea. Uh, SWEs. Not the not not the the abbreviation for Sweden, but the snow water equivalent we like to call uh-huh. it. So I, I looked at the most recent map uh, from drought.gov, and again, this is off of the median from uh, the median number of ninety one through twenty twenty median, and so northern Arizona is somewhere between a hundred and sixty six to 247% above the median uh, snow water equivalent that it should be for this time of the year. So that's all good. Uh, our, the uh, kind of the mountains, uh, kind of like southern white mountains are at 97%. 
Uh, Pine Top area looks at 121% of snow water equivalency. Um, Utah has been crazy. Now, the other one that takes a lot of pressure off a little bit is the uh, Sierra Nevadas. The Sierra Nevadas are anywhere between 182 and 265% of their snow water equivalent where they should be. And I think there's more to come. And then Western Rockies, which is amazingly important for us, they're at 157 to 202% of where they need to be on snow water equivalent. So that's all good. It's a little bit of a help. How about the Rockies? The Rockies are rocking. Good. The Rockies are all 160, 164%. We'll take it. We need like 300 at least. But for, for several years. Nasty letter coming from Tony Davis uh, about this later. Wake up, Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk.